0: So it's recording. It's recording. We're this ready awesome. to go. This is this is near. I think we That was, was fast. What do we even call this? This is like the sit down lunch <laughs> in Oslo <laughs> with y'all, And this is amazing. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> nice and, to meet you. Yeah, nice yeah, to meet you. <laughs> enjoy the, <laughs> the meal. Enjoy it. You too, man. Feel free to
1: dive in here if you want to share some. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. I've got muscle here for days. we got everything Literally. over here. Yeah.
0: Oh, Cool. So I think, um, I mean, we can, we can kind of dive in. I think the, the biggest thing of when I've been talking to people about coming to, to meet you, there's a lot of people, you know, I think there's some people living under rocks that just mm-hmm. don't know the book Hooked yet. Mm-hmm. And I think just to start it out real quick, uh, if you could explain maybe briefly in your own words, like real quick, what is Hooked? Sure.
1: So uh, I wrote Hooked when I was looking for a book that I didn't find. Hmm. I had a hypothesis that um, the products that will win in the future are the ones that create habits, that as we shift from smaller and smaller interfaces, so as we go from desktop to laptops to mobile phones, now wearable devices, audible devices, the interface disappears. And so Hmm. uh, what I believed back in 2012 was... That if you want to get people to use your product, you either build a habit or, in large part, you die. So if you're not on the home screen of someone's phone, that gives you an opportunity. But what happens when that phone disappears and becomes an Amazon Alexa device or um, a wearable device with a teeny tiny screen? So if if you're not top of mind, uh, and even on the phone, like if you're on the third or fourth screen on someone's phone, you might as well not exist. Uh, And if you think about the biggest world-changing companies in the past 10 years, every single one of them built a habit. Right, like Google, it's not, you don't think to yourself, ooh, I wonder whose search engine is better. You just Google it. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, Slack, Snapchat, all of these companies had to build a habit or they go out of business. And I didn't understand how they did it. (laughs) What was the deeper psychology? (laughs) So I did a lot of research. I talked to people who built these companies Mm. and um, uh, I talked to researchers at Stanford and uh, a lot of other places. Did a lot of research in my own time kind of going to the Stanford library and researching consumer psychology journals Jeez. and tried to put together a model that I can use. I didn't intend to write a book. I was just looking for a model I could use to figure out what I wanted to build next. I I'd, I'd spent several years in the advertising and gaming industries, and um, I wanted to move on to the, my next, com- next company, uh, but I enjoyed the writing so much and the research so much, and other people kind of you know gave me a lot of good feedback from it, and uh, then I taught a class at Stanford uh, at the business school and then later at the design school and so that kind of became my business uh, as opposed to starting another product company i'd done two and sold them uh, and i thought i was going to do another one but the writing and the research became my next thing and that's what i've been doing since so the the so cool. essence of hook to answer your question yeah is this four-part model that is designed into a product experience to keep people coming back mm. so it's it's um it's the core mechanic that core user experience of all these big companies. We talked about these four phases of a trigger, an action, a reward, and finally an investment, which we, we can go into more detail. Yeah, also. definitely,
0: definitely. No, it's a perfect, I think, uh, introduction to that. Awesome. Um,
2: actually, the whole topic is very controversial today mm. um, because, I mean, there are two mm. types of habits, actually, like those healthy habits mm-hmm. and getting addicted to the to the stuff, actually, to the product you use or you create. and the question I would actually have, or we are asking ourselves every time, is you started this movement with Hook because like everybody knows the book in the mm. scene for real. <laughs> I came from High Lecture and I was like, Yeah, what's your favorite book, Hooked? Ah oh, yeah, near yeah, Oh thanks. Yeah, yeah. really cool. <laughs> Literally, like you you know told me about it. that first. He was like, have you read that book? No, go read it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, thank you. That's <laughs> fun. And like you started a huge huge movement with that. Like you gave the people the tools or the the, the understanding how to build habits. Mm. Um, How do you actually feel about it, like in a positive or a negative way? Yeah. Because in some podcast interviews, some articles, you also said you you feel like guilt?
1: No, I don't think I
2: feel guilt. I don't don't
1: think I've ever said I felt guilt. Okay. Because there's a big difference between a habit and an addiction. Exactly. So I don't build addictions. Mm. The book is not called How to Build Addictive Products and that was very intentional. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh,
1: The book is called How to Build Habit Forming Products. Habits. We have healthy habits as well as bad habits, yeah, yeah. and the idea is how can we help people build healthy habits with our products, because look, the fact is if we build unhealthy habits, you know what people do when they use a product that hurts them? They stop using it, and this is a temporary blip. Everybody's saying, oh, Facebook and Instagram makes me sad, makes mm-hmm. me lonely. Look yeah. what's going on. Less people are using Facebook. Oh, no, sorry, not less people. Those people who have used it the longest are using it less and less, mm-hmm. actually. It's becoming less and less popular. Because people are figuring out, hey, this is becoming an unhealthy habit. It yeah. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't do it for me. It doesn't, it doesn't benefit me. And I think that's very healthy. We need that. Um, uh, so, and it, it's in the company's interest to make a healthy habit as opposed to unhealthy habit. Because, again, you know, people will stop using a product if it hurts them. Um, as opposed to an addiction, an addiction, the definition of addiction is a persistent compulsive dependency on a behavior or substance that harms the user. Mm. So we as product makers would never want to harm a user. In fact, in my book, there's an entire section on the morality of manipulation. And I talk about the difference between habits and addictions and how we would never want to build an addiction. Um, So my stuff is all about habits. Um, You know, the fact is, if you're interested in startups, come on, Your problem is not that you're addicting people. Your problem is nobody gives a shit about your product, right? Like, we need more of these tactics, not less. We need products to be more sticky, more engaging. The problem is not that a few companies have figured out how to suck us in. The real problem is that far too much software sucks, Right? It's not the handful of... Yeah. Right? He's on point. Yeah, right. 100%, 100%. I mean, this is not... Is 100%. this your problem? Is that your people are overusing your, your app, your journaling app? No. Yeah, yeah, your problem yeah. is people don't use it enough. Right. right. So yeah. we can look at, like, right. the, the one edge case yeah. of a product like a Facebook or Instagram or whatever. There's a few cases of people who really do have products that are very engaging and some people yeah. get addicted to. The fact is, anything yeah. that cures pain is addictive. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. Anything that cures pain—a Tylenol, a romance, television, pornography, alcohol—all of this stuff, Facebook—anything that solves pain is potentially addictive because it solves pain. That's the essence of addiction. Or these are the
2: feeling that it solves it. Right. It's not
1: about pleasure. Yeah. It's not about pleasure. It's about the relief of pain. Mm. Uh, and for an addiction to take hold, it's not—it's not just the product. There is no such thing as. You know, a product that you just look on a screen, or even you inject in your veins, it's going to get you addicted. It doesn't work. Even heroin, people get disomorphine when they go to the hospital. If you get a, if a woman has a pregnancy and they have a C-section, she's going to get disomorphine That's yeah. better than street heroin. Vast majority of women don't get addicted to heroin. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a very small proportion, single-digit proportion of people who it's a t- particular type of person, a product that that has addictive properties, and. A necessary third condition is a problem they can't deal with otherwise. So, you—if you have those three things—a mm-hmm. person, the product, and the problem, uh, or the pain—you have a propensity for addiction. But for the vast majority of people, it's not addiction. We just use it a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Just like we, you know, why—why why people complain Facebook's addictive, Instagram's addictive. Well, what about football? Mm-hmm. Right? We just got had the World Cup a few months ago. The whole world was <laughs> Yeah, 100%. A bounce ball bouncing up and down a field. It's a it's just a it's randomness. Yeah. It's, a, it's a slot machine. It's a slot machine. Yeah. You can put on the story and the timeline and my affinity and okay, the statistics. At the end of the day, it's just the same old waste of time as scrolling Facebook or watching Netflix, all of which is wonderful in the right proportions. Mm-hmm. But it's not that one product is somehow addictive and is going to rot your brain. Anything is potentially addictive. This beer is potentially addictive. Do I want to live in a world without beer? Of course not. Some people are
0: alcoholics. Of course. And that's where the responsibility comes into play. Right.
1: And so that's why I wrote the book about how to build healthy habits. It's not about get people addicted. That's not a good business plan, right? like... Being a drug dealer is, is a really hard business. Kind of like, you don't want to be a drug dealer. You want to be a product that's, that people enjoy to use, that they yeah. love to use, that makes people's lives better. Yeah. So the question is, you're building a product that's helping people journal. Yeah. How can I get them to do a behavior that they know would exactly. benefit them? Yeah. That's the part that people are struggling with. Not, oh my gosh, my product is too addictive. May you have that problem. <laughs> like We'll deal with that when we get to it.
0: That's a really good point. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, speaking of, of uh, the journaling application, so we have Scribe, mm-hmm. we're designing it to help people understand themselves better. It's like therapy without the cost or commitment. And we're designing it to help people clear their minds because journaling or writing, mm-hmm. as we know it, or the, whatever definition of, of journaling that you have, um, is to actually, it's proven that it's, it's helping people understand themselves better and to get all their thoughts out. Now it's up to the person to decide how much they write or how much they kind of pour onto paper without taking action for it. Right. And that's kind of where it gets lost. But I guess for me and for us it's kind of the question of how do we determine what is too much for a user? Like if somebody starts writing so much in their kind of almost in a fantasy world, how do, are yeah. we responsible to help them realize that that's not what that they're this is overdoing for doing? Yeah.
1: So um, a few years ago, I wrote in The Atlantic an article um, that I wanted companies to adopt a use and abuse policy. So I think there's a responsible step to take and say, look, how much would be too much? Right? And you have, to, you have to say, okay, you know, if someone was journaling 40 hours a week, would that necessarily be bad? Maybe. maybe. Or maybe they're just a professional writer. <laughs> and that's, that's what they do for Sorry. a living. I don't know. Like when I told Facebook this idea and I said, look, you know, why don't you just make a number? Like how much Facebook is too much. And they said, Okay, let's let's do some research. They dug into the numbers and they thought they found that people who were using Facebook what we some people would think is a ridiculous amount, turned out they were people who were living in the middle of the woods, elderly, lived, you know, tens if not hundreds of miles away from anyone else. It was their only human connection. You know, so yeah. for some people what looks like overuse to some people is super meaningful and connects them to a better life. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult to say. I do think that there's an opportunity to say, look, let's come up with some kind of crazy number. Like if you're journaling 40 hours a week, maybe we're going to send you a notification that says, hey, let, me, let, let us give you some tools to help you cut back. Maybe this is too much. Mm. Um, you may have a, a, a profile that looks like someone who has an addiction. Can we help?
0: Mm.
1: Now, that's going to be like 10 users. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, going to be very, very few if people. It, yeah, sure. But it might be, you know, the ethical thing to do. For Facebook, it's going to be many more than that, right? Sure. If you've got two billion users, yeah. millions of people are addicted, not just habituated, addicted to Facebook. Yeah. And I think they do have a responsibility. Okay. I don't know if that's your top problem. You're no, top, de- you're definitely right? not, definitely yeah. not. But there could be a, a responsibility to say, like, look, if you use outside this range, we're going to reach out. Exactly,
0: yeah. And I think that's, I guess that's kind of the question. So if we're, if we're just starting out and then there's Facebook with two billion, right? We, mm-hmm. we kind of have that, framework, I guess, of where startups could see, this is where I'm starting from and this is where kind of the roof is of potentials. Yeah. Where do you see that in between kind of saying like once you reach a certain amount of demographic, like our, our vision, right, is that we're going to affect 76 million people to understand themselves better. 1% of the population. Okay. When we reach that, is that when we're socially kind of responsible? No, what would you can do that now. You can come okay. up with some kind of number. I call it a use and abuse policy. Yeah.
1: That says, look, you know, if somebody uses our product to an unhealthy extent, and you make up the number, you tell me what's an unhealthy extent. We're gonna trigger a little warning that says, "Hey, how can we help?" It's, right.
2: it's to make them conscious about, it. like, right. to be, be yeah. actually aware to think about them themselves. Because, like, um, we talked on Saturday about the topic in general. Like, who's responsible for it? Because, like, a lot of people give the responsibility to the creators. For example, like Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg is responsible. Right. And I'm feeling yeah. anxious and depressed, and I like my attitude is actually I can understand I cannot understand that because everybody's just giving the tools what you mm. actually do it is like your responsibility like I, I'm controlling right. my life and I don't want to give the control to anybody else I totally understand that you should educate maybe the people like mm. to get just to have be aware actually about it like of of uh, Depression of all the stuff. Like, right. how much is, is too maybe much? Or maybe you reach maybe? out.
1: Like, maybe that's a, yeah. a trigger. If somebody's using it to an unhealthy extent, yeah, you reach out with an email and says, "Hey, from a person, from a real person." Yeah, it says, "How can we help?" Or what are your circumstances? Or yeah. we're doing some user research. Like, what's going on? Is it really an addiction, or is it somebody who's a hundred miles away from civilization? Right. This is their only connection right. to that's, other people.
2: That's a really good point because, for my side, for example, I'm using fa- Facebook so many times. Mm-hmm. But not to, for entertainment. I'm actually using it for ad, uh, advertising. For it's example. your job. Yeah, right. that's yeah. the point. Right. Uh, right. Nobody can say like, okay, right. you're are you addicted? Uh, that's the right. point. No, exactly. Right. Right. It's totally the individual.
1: It has to. It has to go. Addiction. You know, we toss around addiction to blame all of our problems. Yeah. 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 But addiction. It has a very specific definition. It's a persistent compulsive dependency that harms the user. Yeah. You need both. You need this com- consistent com- dependency mm-hmm. yeah. as well as harm. Mm-hmm. So look. I'm dependent on the relationship with my wife. It would cause me serious withdrawals if something happened to my wife. I love her very much. We've been married for almost 20 years. Yep. But she's not an addiction. She's in a dependency, mm. but she's not an addiction. She doesn't cause me harm, thank God. Right? I was gonna... my, my, you know, my car, right? <laughs> yeah. If tomorrow cars were all of a sudden banned, nobody can drive cars anymore. Yeah. Many people are dependent upon their cars. 100%. But you I can't say it causes them harm. Mm, yeah. You know, cars... Have harms, but it doesn't cause them harm with every use. Yeah. Um, so you know, the, not every problem in the world is because oh, it's an addiction. It's I can't control. In fact, that attitude is the problem. Mm-hmm. The attitude of there's nothing I can do. Tech is hijacking my brain. We're all addicted. We're it's victims. All them. We're victims. Right. What, what happens is when you tell people that, studies have found they believe it. Mm-hmm. That the number they did this great study on alcoholics, and they um, determined that the number one criteria that determined whether an alcoholic would relapse or would stay sober was not the level of physical dependency. It wasn't what the drug was doing to their brains or to the body. It was their belief in their own powerlessness. Hmm. That was number one, was how powerless you thought you were. So if we're teaching people, it's all Zuckerberg doing it to you. We're teaching them (laughs) to say, well, it's
0: not my fault. It's it's, it's putting responsibility Hmm. on Mark instead Uh not this mark just (laughs) Just taking excuses making an excuse to not own up for their own kind of by the way this is with everything we only talk about it with technology Mm. it's with this
1: it's with the news reading Mm. too much news it's with any escapist medium that we're using to an extreme that helps us escape an uncomfortable reality that's the source of addiction so for the vast majority of people who are building products this is not something to worry about (laughs) I think yeah sure Now, from a personal responsibility perspective, there's a lot we can do. This is actually the subject of my next book, Indistractable, which is all about Mm. these very simple steps that we can take to put all kinds of distraction in its place, right? Like, the average Facebook user checks Facebook for 30 minutes a day. The average American watches five hours of television a day. Five hours of television! (laughs) Nobody's talking about television addiction anymore because it's an old technology. But this book is about all distraction, right? Like, all the ways that we don't do what we say we're going to do. The psychology behind why do we get distracted? We say we want to do one thing. We want to go to the gym. We want to eat healthier. We want to spend time with our family, with our friends, with our spouses. Why don't we do it? That's the, the, the psychology I'm digging into this next
0: That's episode. really interesting. Yeah. What, what kind of motivated you to dive into that topic more?
1: Mm. The reason I write everything I write is to answer my own questions. So I found myself a few years back. I started writing in Distract about five years ago. <laughs> um, and I found myself getting distracted um, in ways I didn't always like. Like technology was pulling me to do things. For me it was technology, because I, I love tech. Um, and I was ignoring the people in my life, like my daughter, or my wife, you know, over the dinner table I was <laughs> using device. And at first I thought it was the device that was doing it to me. I thought it was the iPhone that was doing it to me. Um, but then the more I, A, tried different strategies, Many of them really stupid that don't work. (laughs) Uh, Many popular strategies that don't work. Mm -hmm. And the more I dove into the deeper psychology, the more I looked into the literature of what actually helps us do what we say we're going to do, I learned that it's it's actually not that hard. Like, once you know these techniques, you can be indistractable. That's why I made up this word. I wanted a word for who is the kind of person that does what they say they're going to do. And, like, what a superpower that would be. Imagine... You said you're gonna to go to the gym, you go to the gym. You say you're not gonna eat unhealthy food, you don't eat unhealthy food. You say you're gonna be fully present with your friends, and you are.
0: You know, like how amazing of a skill would that be? For sure, I mean, I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges of society today, and especially with us too. If we if we look at journaling, for example, if I looked at the mass market of interviews that we did, of, we did, for, before we even started anything, we did two months of user interviews, of course, right? To, mm-hmm. to kind of do research on the topic. We realized that many people, actually started journaling at some point in their life realized the benefits and then really i mean in Didn't that stop. sense got distracted and stopped mm. and why because life kind of took over and the excuse every time that we hear is that oh i got no time for it oh right. i got no th- right. and it, all that i hear in that is that you just don't see the value and you get distracted by something or you else. don't
1: know the techniques to, to make something a priority yeah like what i found is people know what to do right People know.
0: They know. No, it's yeah, not yeah. an information problem. Yeah. totally true. Totally when you true. ask
1: somebody, do you think journaling is good for you? Yes. Is meditation good for you? Yes. Is eating healthy good for you? Yes. Is being fully present with your family and friends present, uh, good for you? Yes. Is working on important projects uh, that you know is the top priority of <laughs> yes. Why don't we freaking do it? I don't do it, freaking know. Do <laughs> if we had the answer to that, then we'd that's, solve a lot of that's problems That's the answer no. and Indistractable. That's, sure. that's, that's what this book <laughs> is all about. And it's, it's actually, surprisingly, not that hard it just it's never been systematic like the research what's happened in the psychology community is that psychologists will test one technique in isolation which works in some circumstances what i try to do with this next book is to give you a holistic framework Mm -hmm. that you use together it's a combination of four big techniques Mm -hmm. that have all been it's not just like "ooh, it worked in my life but that have been proven
2: i I just Mm. i just wanted to point out that's the point like um i'm I'm always the, the guy who don't want to overcomplicate everything because before 100%. I did it mm. like that. I just want to focus, 100%. do it easy, and nothing is as bad as it seems actually. Like that's that's my point of view. Mm. And in this case, same stuff. Like you, you talked about it. When you wrote the book actually, you did some research, already looked for other books, all the stuff, you know? And the point in there is, is it recording? Keep going. Cool. Um, the point in that is the the answer is actually already there. Like, mm. People got distracted also 200 years ago, and 1,000 so years. And that's yeah. the point. It's nothing new. It's actually. nothing new. And it's
1: funny because people people always say, "Oh, the world is yeah. so distractible today." Exactly. Aristotle Techniques, and Socrates everything. were talking about
2: this 2,500 years ago. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like it's not the technology which is like now innovating yeah. the, the the
1: app store, the iPhone. Do you think if if okay, all of a sudden the iPhone
2: and Facebook went away, yeah. you think people would start reading Shakespeare yeah. and Chaucer in their that's, free time? That's the point. Of course. And it, I guess that's that's a big point that people have to realize. Actually, it's yeah. not because of that there's no excuse oh it's the time today i can't do it yeah it's not donald trump it's not the news
1: not facebook it's it's a problem that people have struggled with forever Mm -hmm. (laughs)
2: right another point was actually um, getting too much into it like for example with our journaling application Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion a huge danger is because that was my problem at first with journaling Mm -hmm. Um, i wrote too much so too much i wrote too much thought too much about the stuff, but didn't take action, like, n- didn't execute, mm. and that's actually the point. Like, I got distracted, and I fully focused, I like, I lost the sight of reality, and mm. just focused on journaling. Interesting, you know, like, why? Why do you think you focused just on journaling? Because there was an action point. Like, I, it was just going further and further in, but it was no, like, do this now, and you not like, mm. take this action to solve this problem. I just wanted to get distracted, and I was like, okay, that's a good feeling, like I'm doing something positive, oh. and, but I don't, don't have to do anything uncomfortable. Interesting. That, that's the point. I just can focus on so journaling I and I all I call stuff. that
1: pseudo work. Okay. Pseudo work is the stuff that feels productive, exactly. but actually doesn't yeah. move us forward. So yeah. the best example of that is email. Mm-hmm. Email in the workplace. You know, we we're d- we, we, we use email <laughs> as if, well, it kind of feels like I'm productive. It kind mm-hmm. of feels like I'm moving the ball forward mm-hmm. when really like, it's not the most important task you yeah. need to be working on. It. You need to be working on that big hard project, that big presentation. You need to have those uncomfortable conversations you don't really want to do. That's the important stuff. Yeah. But email feels like work, and kind of like journaling right. feels like I'm doing something when I'm really not.
2: hundred percent. Like I mean, it has every time it has uh, the positive effect. Nobody can sell some like their facts that it actually like studies that it works, or and, right. and you get the feeling, and you really get the feeling. But I mean, there's always this danger that you use the tool too much. Mm. And don't get into action, you know, like the first thing you have to do and then reach out, see the value after it, and then come, come to the point where you start journaling again and have this this habit finally, where you right. really also get like um, rewards, mm-hmm. right. you know, and then just focus on the stuff and that's it. So it's not that journaling
1: is bad or email is bad. Exactly. They they do need to have it yeah. and they do need to happen, but um, doing the right thing at the wrong time is also a distraction, True story. <laughs> right? It's not just... That, oh, this is productive. It is productive, but not right now. Yeah. And so the only way, so I'll walk you through this four-part model for Indistractable. Mm-hmm. Um, the first step is dealing with these internal triggers. The, the, the big problem, I think, with a lot of these Band-Aid techniques that we hear today for time management is it's all tactics without strategy. That you need to understand the deeper strategy of if there is a powerful force inside of you that is looking for an escape, it doesn't matter if it's Facebook or work or the TV, you're always gonna find distraction. Like if you cannot sit in your own skin mm. and figure out what that force of discomfort is that is driving you to do something else, That's to escape.
2: A, just leave an example. Yeah, I had, like when I was in school, I had to learn, open my book, no distraction my handy was like in the living room all good your phone Mm. he doesn't know what handy is yes (laughs) sir your phone phone. that's
0: that's german for for phone handy okay
2: so i I had to learn what did what did i do a fly came up just a fly like randomly i watched it like for five minutes there you
1: go because you really didn't want to do the work yeah right (laughs) so the idea is that if you don't understand the internal trigger the discomfort from inside yeah you're always going to get distracted. Yeah. The mantra I keep repeating is distraction starts from within. Yeah. Right? Like oh, if, if you were working on something really boring, yeah. but I came to you and I said, I'll give you a million dollars if you finish this right now, you're going to be super motivated all of a sudden. Of well, where did that motivation come from? It was just in your head, yeah. right? The million dollars is, is yeah, an external factor. Down. Now you're super motivated. Um, and so it's the same way with, with distraction. That if you, you have to understand what's going on in your own head first and foremost. Like, why can't you sit with your family and have a meal without your device? Why is work so boring that you're constantly checking Slack or, you know, doing research on Google? So you have to start with your internal triggers first. Then you have to schedule your day. That it's amazing to me how many people say, oh, everything's so distracting, I can't focus. The news, the the Facebook, everything's so distracting. And I say, well, let me see your calendar. Let me see what you you got distracted from. And they take out their phone. and they, There's it's nothing planned. on their freaking calendar. It's white yeah, yeah. all day. They, they've got nothing planned. Yeah. If you don't plan your day, somebody else will. Totally. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. So you have to plan your time. Yeah. Uh, the third thing is to remove the external triggers. That about two thirds of people with a smartphone never change their notification settings. That's crazy. How can we call something distracting?
2: We we just went in the co-work space. He had to turn it off yeah. because of me, like the notifications. Yeah. yeah. Instagram notifications
0: consistently and. It, it's, it freaked me. I turned it off because it's, it's way too much. Yeah.
1: So you, so either, so there's a few steps you, you can remove the, the app, the triggers that don't serve you. There's this mm. fundamental question of external triggers are great. Like if you get a beep that says, Hey, it's time to work out or it's time for this meeting mm-hmm. or it's, you know, something positive. Sure. That's fantastic. That leads you towards traction. Right. But if it's a, an external trigger that, that takes you off course, that's a distraction. Thank you. So you have to ask yourself which ones serve you. And if that means deleting it or using an app at a different time, like for example, I don't have Twitter and Facebook on my phone. I love Twitter and Facebook, but I only use them when I have time in my calendar that says social media time Mm -hmm. and they're off my phone, I only use them on the desktop. Mm. And then the last step are these protective barriers, uh, these commitment devices. Uh, And so these are things that block distraction. So we can do things like make a pact. And there's all these tools online that help us do that. So there's this product I invested in called Focusmate. Yeah. That uh, You've seen Focusmate? Yeah, in? yeah, we're we're, so we're, just we're, we're, yeah. we nice. so now. It's It's awesome. fantastic. Awesome. Basically, yeah. you just commit to somebody and say, okay, we're going to do 30 yeah. minutes or 50 minutes, whatever it is, yeah. go. And it, it works like a charm. Uh, so basically, the model is traction is this way, things you want to do, distraction is this way, things you don't want to do, mm-hmm. and you're influenced to do traction or distraction by external triggers or internal triggers. Mm-hmm. And so it's those four steps, internal triggers, schedule, uh, that the traction, yeah, okay. manage, or uh, remove the external triggers, and kill distraction.
0: That's great. Yeah. That's really great. Thanks. I Hopefully it'll help people. I think that's something that, again, society really needs. It's, I'm, I was literally just reminded of what we've been talking so much about with Scribe is that uh, there's so many people out there that are just, I've heard so many times I've Someone might say, I-, I can't even sit with myself for more than five minutes without right. getting either anxious, um, worrying about something that I'm not yeah, doing, right. Right. or literally even to the point where I've heard people say, like, I don't even like myself when I'm alone. Mm. And for-, for me, when I hear that, I'm like, well, you know, again, like what you just said first, why, why are right. you doing so that?
1: So listen, the-, the fact is, if that's the case, it's not Facebook's fault. Right. It's not your app's fault. Exactly. It's not the television's fault there's something else going on that yeah. if you don't struggle, if you don't figure out, it's going to be cigarettes, it's going to be booze, it's going to be something, it's going to be television, something's going to keep you yeah. Yeah. Right. So you have to deal with those issues I'm first sure. to get comfortable in your own skin. Uh, and and most importantly, to have a positive association, and this is, I think, where, where journaling can be very helpful, because the first step is to f- to be cognizant of that internal trigger and do something healthier with it, as opposed to, I'm feeling bored, i got to check my phone, or... You know, whatever that sensation is, that instantaneous response, how can you do something else healthier? Like, for example, what I recommend folks do is to note the internal trigger, just to write it down. Hmm. It's this technique called surfing the urge, where just by noting it and saying, right now I feel uncertain, and I have this urge to go Google something. But that's not what I want to do. I really want to write right now. Like, that's what I schedule my time to do is to write. I don't need to Google this right now, you know, because that goes down this time-wasting vortex. Yeah. So sometimes, I'll, you know, I'll just write it down. Feeling uncertain that the behavior that the distraction was to Google something Okay, but now that I've written it down all of a sudden I have more power over it Yeah, and then a lot of times what I'll do is I'll surf the urge for a set amount of time I'll say ten minutes. I can do whatever I want. I can eat that chocolate I can go search for something stupid that I you know that I think is necessary on YouTube or Facebook or um, Google but in ten minutes Nine times out of ten after ten minutes I don't need it anymore right yeah. like the urge has subsided mm. and and so if you can sh- get people to switch from the habit of when i feel lonely uncertain bored whatever i facebook i google i youtube to i journal i write something down that's the internal trigger that you can that, potentially go after
2: that's so funny because when you explain that you have to understand the uh, the, the internal trigger mm-hmm. i thought about the value prop like immediately yeah. because mm-hmm. it's actually like the stuff like we want people to understand themselves better. My experience was because at first I didn't journal. Mm. That Mm. was like the point of mine. I I take Mm. notes Mm. like every time, but not wrote everything down. And um, what you just said is exactly the thing, like what you recommended, like noting it down actually Mm. it's a total difference. Like for for the people who are maybe viewing this, um, it's not the same thinking about it, and writing it down, actually, like taking the action to write it down and maybe formulate it even, that sticks in the head way more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that was what I experienced.
1: Along with the hook model, the second step of the hook model is the action phase, exactly. which yeah. is all about yeah. making it as easy as possible. Part of the problem I think with journaling is that people think, okay, I have to go write this Emily Bronte, you know, this <laughs> long, you know, here's what happens <laughs> yeah. in my life today. It doesn't have to be, it can literally awesome. be less than a sentence. Mm. It can be, here's how I felt, here's what I wanted to do, here's what I'm gonna do instead. That's journaling. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're getting some yeah. psychological benefit of control. I mean, control and agency is so important in our lives. When we do not feel in control, our our our, psychol- our psychological state can really deteriorate. So that act of having agency to write down what
0: you're feeling yeah.
1: helps us feel that sense of control and it can be very, very powerful in doing what we really want
0: to do. It's really curious actually because you're, you're including that now in, in your new book that, y- that you said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what is it um, that – could you talk a little bit more about that? Like what is it that you're actually suggesting people to do? Like how, how to actually solve these things? Like if, right. if people are, are not feeling good inside, what is the kind of the ask that, that you give to them?
1: Right. So it depends on, on – there's some things that you can do yourself. There's some things that depending on how severe it is. Um, like, for example, if you're struggling with OCD tendencies, it turns out that OCD is highly associated with addiction, that most people um, – struggle with an addiction, struggle temporarily, except those people who have an underlying condition like obsessive-compulsive disorder. Mm. So there's some techniques that I can't fix for you in a book. You sometimes need professional assistance. But that's a tiny percentage. It needs to be said, but that's not most people's problems. Most people's problems are that they just don't have the the techniques to properly cope with these internal triggers. They're habituated to seek instantaneous relief from their pain. The first thing is to understand is that all of our behavior... Everything you do is driven through pain. We used to think this Freudian notion of the pleasure principle, that it's the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. turns out, neurologically speaking, that's not true. Mm. Everything we do is to avoid pain. Mm. But if you understand that, that itself, that in fact, that pleasure, the reason we desire pleasure is because of the pain of the desire. It's the wanting. It's the craving. It's, ooh, I want this because it tastes good, and if you deny it to me, now it hurts. It's all about pain. So time management That's crazy. is pain management. Hmm.
0: That's
1: this is the thing. Time management is pain management. So it's all about managing your discomfort. It's very Buddhist, right? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm reinterpreting it, but this is basically what the Buddha says, hmm. uh, that it's suffering. Um, so if you can learn to manage your pain, if you can learn techniques, and I give a bunch of them in the book, um, then you really are the man, the master of your time.
0: Hmm. That's, uh, I, I read the book uh, Hardwiring Happiness. Hmm. I'm sure you know that. Um, and again, like, I think the biggest thing that I learned out of that is that how, how essentially evolution has happened with human beings. We've learned from everything, right? You, you have six pleasures but one pain. You mm. immediately know mm. exactly <laughs> that one pain and you're never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. That's why breakups are so much more impactful mm-hmm. than they are, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, falling in love is one thing, but falling out is even worse. Yeah. It's like coming off of a drug, right? It
1: is. Actually, I would argue that, that a drug is like coming off of love. That In fact, it, the reason <laughs> drugs are, are so powerful is because they're using the neurobiology. Drugs are very new, evolutionarily speaking. What's sure. very old is is love right that's been hardwired into us from day one love for our children for our tribe for our significant others that's the neurocircuitry that that drugs are taking over sorry i interrupted you
0: no 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 this is perfect i guess um my only thought on the kind of the evolution of understanding the fact that we function off of pain mm-hmm. um how can how might someone be able to like it's one thing to understand that but it's then mm-hmm. i'm thinking Anybody that, that could be watching this, or even myself right now, I'm thinking, okay, how can I implement that in, yeah. in my life? How can I understand that more?
1: All right. So there's a few techniques I talk about in the book. Um, it's really about reimagining. It's reimagining. Mm. And you can reimagine a few things. You can reimagine the pain itself. Uh, that's one significant step. What do I mean by that? That we have medicalized pain that in, in, in the Western world, we think about pain as something to escape right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're stressed, that's super bad, de-stress. It turns out actually, one, stress is not bad for you. It's how you cope with stress, and in fact that if you think it's a condition, that it's something to be avoided, that you actually psych yourself out, you begin to create a phobia, right? The number one cause of insomnia is worrying that you're not sleeping, right? (laughs) That's what, that is rumination. It's this hardwiring that we have to ruminate and ruminate and ruminate. That's what makes stress Mm. into a chronic condition. Chronic pain. Turns out chronic pain is really about, it's a rumination disease. It's about the the fear. Oh, my back hurts, my back hurts. Why does it hurt? Why do you know? It's this rumination that actually neurologically causes the pain, Mm. right? That people develop these pain points not because there's something broken. The the slip disc notion is complete. Pretty much complete rubbish there's some cases but it's for the vast majority of people it's rubbish it's this rumination that causes a stress response which then causes the pain which then we are get stressed about avoiding in the future it's not that it doesn't exist it is painful but it's caused by rumination so the first point is to stop looking at pain as something to be avoided it's something to reimagine instead of so for a long time i used to get straight stage fright and now I do hundreds of talks a year now, but I used to get really nervous on stage. And, I th- and the reason I got so nervous on stage is because I, s- I would say to myself, okay, I'm nervous. I'm getting stressed. They're going to see my stress. I'm going to fail. So, and it would, it would create this vicious cycle. As opposed to now when I get nervous, I say, oh, okay, this is my body getting ready to perform at peak performance. Right? like The reason my heart is beating is because I need more oxygen in my brain so that I can deliver a great talk.
2: I guess like Simon Sinek told, told the same like, like the, the same perspective actually. He tried to change his perspective on mm. it. Like, okay, I'm actually not nervous, I'm excited. Like, right. that's what I am now. Right. And then acting actually like that. Right.
1: That's, that's hugely important. So that's number one. It's reimagining mm. uh, the pain itself. Mm. And there's a bunch of things we can do to reimagine the pain. Yeah. There's a bunch of things we can do to reimagine the task itself. Yeah, so that's how we, so we reimagine the task, we reimagine the stress, and we reimagine ourselves. So, so,
2: sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but the thing is, like, I tried this. Uh-huh. Like, for example, okay, I'm, I'm really nervous right now, but let's get excited, uh-huh. you know? Like, you can't just change it immediately. Like, is there any action involved, or like, what do you have to do, like, to reimagine it? Like, right. Yeah.
1: So a lot of it is learning how to talk to yourself.
2: <laughs> okay, okay.
1: A lot of it, you know, a lot of us uh, beat ourselves up. You know, we, we, are, we talk to ourselves yeah. in a way that we would never talk to our mm-hmm. best friend, right? You, you know this, right? We 100%. have doubt, we have criticism. And it turns out that self compassion is an incredibly important skill to learn. That how we talk to ourselves, that little voice in our heads, whether it's sabotaging us or whether it's building us up and making us stronger, is incredibly important. Um, and that is a mental habit. You know, habits mm-hmm. aren't just our actions, habits are also our thoughts. Yeah. What do we retreat to? When we're in a moment of pain, when we totally, feel an internal trigger, totally. so it's a lot of it is is retraining yourself. A lot of it is calling bullshit on um, these ways of thinking that we are somehow deficient or incapable, yeah. right? Like the medical establishment telling us that we need a pill to solve every one of our problems yeah, when we feel stress. <laughs> you know, there's we have to be aware of these incentives that a lot of yeah. companies have to medicalize yeah. things. Mm. Um, and that, and that not everything is a disease, right? Mm. Not everything
0: is not in our control. There's a lot yeah. of things,
1: that, a lot more things are in our control than, than mm. people believe. Mm. Not everything, of course, but a lot more than we think.
0: <laughs> That's really fascinating. Yeah, I think there's such a wrong uh, kind of perception, I guess, in society that mm. to think that, I think, again, like we've been speaking so much about blame, and I Mm. think so many people love to actually put the blame somewhere else, whether it's on a president or, I don't know, an application or something like that. Mm. Um, What are your thoughts even to just kind of combat that in Mm. in literally something that startups could do or Mm. um, any other companies that actually have like a leading edge on on political opinion or societal
1: opinion? Part of it is, so I was a journalism uh, minor in school, and I know a lot, lot of this is about... Uh, the media look like there's no nobody wants to read a story. The world got better today again. That's the real story. The real story is the world continues We've to get better. We've talked about it, better. Better. Yeah, Like did. last weekend. Yeah. But when was the last time you saw a story in the paper that says you Never. know hundreds of lives saved? That is literally <laughs> yeah. happening every yeah, day, yeah, but you don't hear 100%. that story. Hundred yeah. um, percent. You know, we, we only hear about the conspiracy theories and the 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 the, the fear. Fear sells. Hundred percent. The first rule of journalism: if it bleeds, it leads. Right, so like you want yeah. to sell stories 100%. about how terrible the world is.
0: Well, that's because we function off of pain and fear, fear
1: right? Exactly. Yeah. The, here's the irony: the media that calls out these businesses as so big and so evil and destroying the world, it's, they're using the same yeah. business model, yeah. right? Yeah. They're also selling eyeballs. They're also selling attention. Yeah. They're just as guilty. It's the pot calling the kettle black.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so we need to be aware that 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 uh, hmm. the bad news is also manipulating our brains. Absolutely. That we need to. Uh, find ways to inoculate ourselves from this constant barrage of bad news that the world is it's not the facts are it's, the world is getting better.
2: I totally get your point. Like I totally get that. That was the point like I Was really I dealt a lot with like politician stuff mm. with all of this on the world to know about it to can talk about it and there were just disputes um, Thinking about it every time I can um, like getting more depressed actually because right. of those topics and I stopped it. Like, yeah. didn't even look to the news or media or stuff like that. I like I know about the stuff for sure because like, uh, if you want to stay up to date, you will stay up to date. There's yeah. no possibility you're not like in the cave or something like that. But I really felt how my mood changed. Right. Like I totally don't get it about that. I'm I'm totally for example the startup scene helping people, and focusing on that. Like yeah. it's really really a huge impact. Like yeah. to just think about okay where where are the inf- influence or the impacts on me and how can I avoid them like on a daily basis.
1: I think it's 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 a skill that all of us need that mm. um, it's so easy to just sit back and turn on the television or listen to the media yeah. And, yeah. and consume and consume and consume as opposed to creating. And the fact is, I don't think you can do both at the same time. You can't consume at the same me- time that you're creating. Your brain can't do both at the same time. You have to make time. You need to consume, of course. We need to educate ourselves. We need to be aware of what's going on in the world. But I think that we have shifted to the extent that we are letting... Uh, letting it control our life as opposed to us controlling it. It needs to be useful. Like, we need to ask ourselves, why am I spending my time with this information? Can I do anything about the children in Syria? No, I can't. I yeah. can't affect the civil war in Syria right now. There's nothing I can do. Yeah, yeah. And it's important to know what's happening, but also, you know, how much time we spend on this stuff is it needs to be put into proportion. Um, and so I think it's, it's you know, th- there's certain tactics that we can use For example, my friend James Clear, who also writes about habits, taught me this technique of going to Wikipedia once a month. month. At the end of the month, I have a reminder to do to read the news of the month. So Wikipedia will summarize every month of every year what was important this month and that takes you know that. it takes you like 15 minutes <laughs> and amazing. you understand the top stories as opposed to every day do I need to read the news every single day yeah. oh, I
2: can't do anything about no.
1: the world b- b- many things about the world so the why thing, am I wasting the so thing much is time that, I it?
2: don't know if the people I like, can't do anything but they don't want to do it. they just want to talk about it that's right. the thing mm-hmm. because
1: it's it's why because it's, no. it's another drug it's another way for us to escape reality for a mm-hmm. few minutes and not think yeah. about our own problems uh, which, if you look at the news as pure entertainment, fine. But if you look at it as, ooh, I'm an informed citizen, that's bullshit. You're kidding yourself. You're not doing anything about it. In fact, knowing so much about this stuff and being scared about it all the time, I think, makes us less likely to do anything. Because we think to ourselves, God, the problems are so huge. What can I do? I can't do anything about anything. Right. Right. And we lose that sense of agency as opposed to pick one thing in the world that you really want to change, your mission in the world. This is what I want to affect. And focus on that. I think that's not only is that the the key to a more focused life. I think it's the key to a more happy life, right? It
2: is 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeez. I would ju- I, I would like to um, move into the startup topic actually, yeah. because like we, we we talked a lot now like about all the, like how to get distractions done, like how to escape them, all like what happens actually. And there are a lot of topics we also talked about, like on the weekend and actually every time. But so many stuff. And as I talked, uh, or as I mentioned, I'm really the guy who want to focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, like, about startups who really want to create a good habit, actually? Like, mm-hmm. really, don't don't follow the money, but really want to create an impact, a positive impact. And that's a huge thing, like, being like indestructible, actually. Mm-hmm. What should a startup focus on to really like what's the most important thing to finally achieve this goal like to have a positive impact and not a negative right. like getting too much into the app for example or making the users addicted but we talked about right. the, the so salvaging. in in
1: hooked i talk about this um this model there's yeah. this manipulation matrix yeah. mm-hmm. that i ask people to answer two questions mm-hmm. if you care about mm-hmm. using these techniques ethically uh, how do you give your, yourself a test to know whether you're using them correctly now by the way you can make money. Using them unethically, you can cheat people and make a quick buck. But, but it's if you, just ca- a quick buck. it's a quick yeah. buck, and and at, at the end of the day, if you care about that kind of stuff, I want to give you an answer to know uh, how you're on the right side ethically. So I give a two-part test, and the two-part test goes like this: Number one, are you building something that you believe materially improves the world? Mm-hmm. So when you look in the mirror, uh, it's not something for you to judge other people or for other people to judge you. But when you look in the mirror, can you tell yourself? This is something that I believe materially improves people's lives. But that's not good enough. There's one more test. Mm-hmm. The second question is that you have to break the first rule of drug dealing. Do you know the first rule of drug dealing? The first rule of drug dealing is never get high on your own supply. Uh-huh. And I want you <laughs> to break <laughs> I want you to break that rule. Why? Because if there are any deleterious effects, you're going to know. Mm. So the two-part test is, number one, does it materially improve people's lives? The second test is, am I the user? And if you use the product and you believe it materially improves people's lives, you are what I call a facilitator. You can use these techniques all you want Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you're the user. If something harms the user, you would know it harms you. And the interesting thing is not only is this good ethically, it's good for business. I see so many products out there that founders are building... For those people over there yeah, that yeah, I don't that's understand yeah. and it's, too, it's very hard to do because the hardest part about product development is understanding your customers needs if you are the customer you get your customers needs um, yeah so that's a huge hack in terms of, of increasing the likelihood of your success of building a product is build something you want because uh, if it fails commercially let's say you don't make money on it if you built the product that you want you still succeeded
2: I literally told you that. I know. Like, <laughs> that was exactly the point why I joined, like why I really loved everything because I wanted to use it. Right. I don't care about money or the masses at first, right. but about like, dude, that could really change my life. Really and worst case, point. I have oh, a Great product for me. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's There's no, There's us. no failure.
1: But if you build, mm-hmm. oh, only if I make a lot of money, then I'll succeed. Yeah. Then it's binary, right? Right, yeah. And the chances, of course, look, if you're building a startup to make a lot of money, you're just bad at math. Yeah. Because the chances are very, very low. But if you build a product you yourself want, your chances are pretty high that you're going to build a product you really want. And then if, hey, look, everybody else wants it too, that's terrific. So that's the test. If you can be those facilitators, not only is it good ethically, it's also really good for business. And if you look at all the founders of these companies I talked about in my book, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Slack, all of them were started by these facilitators, people who use the product, who really thought it was materially improving other people's lives. Doesn't mean there aren't harmful aspects of these products doesn't mean they're perfect but it means that ethically i think they were on the right side of building these things
0: that's a but that's a really interesting point i mean i've been a lot of my product manager years i've been a pm for i don't know eight years now or something but a lot of the time i've always kind of been taught and understood like you know you shouldn't necessarily only be the user you should be looking for groups of it but I mean, again, with Scribe, I mean, I've been seeing a therapist for over 10 years. I've been journaling for over 10 years. So when we're talking about building from a facilitator perspective, I am, Henry is, and now Mark is as well. Yeah. Um, So I think that's really curious that you say that too.
1: It's a huge hack. And I think a lot of designers say you don't have that luxury. Like if I get hired to do a job and I'm building for somebody else, maybe I don't have the luxury to design for me. And that's true, kind of. You always have a choice. Mm-hmm. You always can decide what you want to work on. Yes. And I think you're much, much, much more likely to succeed if you build for you. A um,
2: hmm. li- little question in the board. Can you, like, actually you can uh, su- succeed in any way or not? Like, my thought, my perspective on that was ever, if I really like what I'm doing, hmm. I can do it, like, every day because I like it. So I'm going to be patient. I can do also do it, like, for the next 20 years without getting any money. I'm get- I can freelance on the side. That's a problem. Right. Um, but like because I'm actually like from coming from the marketing perspective, actually you can sell like everything. It just depends. Like you can do like B two B. You don't have to be like the classic model selling for the masses. You can also do B two B or specific target groups, just journalists. Like there's so many ways. But I think the like w- that's what I'm thinking. I uh, until now we, like I didn't get a successful startup or something like that. That's why I'm asking you. And like my imagination imagination is actually. That people just don't have the patience, mm. like on the long term. It's a big
1: part of it. It's a it's a great point that um, you know I I, I think the the formula for success yeah. is consistency over intensity, and a good metaphor of this is the gym, right? You see people January first yeah. they go to yeah. the gym, oh, they're <laughs> pushing you know, it's so intense, right? But do yeah. they stick with it? No. Yeah. It's the person who's in the gym every day doing a little bit, right. you know, forty five minutes an hour. Yeah that stays physically fit. Yeah. It's the same thing with, with startups. Startups are a marathon. I just inve- I invested in uh, Eventbrite 10 oh, years ago. That's great. 10 yeah. years ago, yeah. they just went public last yeah. week. Yeah,
2: yeah. In that's ten incredible. 10 years
1: they've been building, I mean, then even before that. Yeah. These things take a lot of time. So if you can't be there for the marathon, sometimes a decade or more of work, uh, you're not gonna succeed. And yeah. the fact is you can only sustain that motivation I, I think, and I think you know, it bears on a lot of cases, if it's something that you personally need, that you believe mm. in. Now, the criticism to that is, well, you know, then we're just getting a bunch of white dudes building products for more white dudes, which is true. Mm-hmm. But the solution to that is to bring more people in the market, not to get white dudes building for non-white people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The idea is to bring more inclusion, right? So that minorities can build for other, for themselves as mm-hmm. well. Uh, more people in the tech industry, and this is why I'm so worried about our current climate of demonizing technology. What we're yeah. doing when we say that technology is hijacking our brain, that's addictive, that these companies are evil, is that we are sending a message to people, don't come into this industry. Mm-hmm. Right? This is an industry that, doesn't, that that is unethical and that is, couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. It's an industry that people want to improve the world. They understand the amazing power that technology has to improve people's lives. We need more people coming into the industry to fix it. Not that it's without problems. It's got tons of problems, but the way we fix it is from the inside,
2: not from the outside. That's a good point. Yeah, the trigger point was in, in this discussion was every time because like, I'm, f- I'm coming from the marketing perspective. Everybody's like demonizing Instagram, Facebook, all the stuff. I understand like um, after the tools came out, the depression, for example, increases maybe, I don't know the stats actually, uh, and in which case the stats like, were created. But the thing is from my side, um, different, totally different point of view because so many influencers have jobs today. Like so many people yeah. are influenced, make so many money, sure. can, can like right. live a happy life, totally freedom. Never. We had never like such a, such yeah. a possibility to be free. Like, That's like right. today, where, where, where would we have connected without exactly how do
0: you make the connection from Heidelberg to New York, or wherever <laughs> you are in the
1: world at the time. Yeah. Right. Right. we forget that stuff. We only focus on the problem. There's totally. a really great quote by um, Paul Varillo. And he said, when you invent the ship, you invent the shipwreck. <laughs> Every technology is going to have a downside. Every <laughs> yeah, true. Totally. Yeah. But, but you know what we did? We didn't say, okay, nobody used ships anymore. Yeah. Guess what? We built better ships. Yeah. When did, was the last time you heard about a shipwreck? Yeah. They don't happen that much anymore. Yeah. Because we built better ships. We built technology to fix the bad aspects of the last generation of mm, technology. 100%. 100%. Percent. Like,
2: we're giving, like we're building the tools and the opportunities and the people. Can, everybody can design on its own like, to how how much extent they actually have to use it. Right,
1: right. And if you don't like Facebook and Instagram, guess what? Let's build a better one. (laughs) 100%. screw Facebook. Fuck them. Build a better one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Is that kind of, um, is that your take of of why you're coming out with Indestructible? Is that kind of your uh, bettering the ship, so to say? Kind of. You know, I think that there's there's two parts. I do think that companies do
1: play a role. I do, you know, for example, this use and abuse policy that we talked about earlier. There are some things that companies can do to help with distraction. The interesting thing is, when I started writing this book, uh, there's things I wanted companies to do that now they're doing. For example, you know, Apple in the li- latest uh, iOS 12 yeah. has Screen Time, which is this amazing feature that helps people use their iPhones less. Uh-huh. Think about that. Why would they want to do that? Right. Instagram also now they have this thing that tells you, okay, you, you, you got to the bottom up. of your feed, you're all cut up. Yeah. Why are they doing that? They're doing that because they understand that people will use your product for a longer period of time when it doesn't burn you out. If you have a product that hurts people, people stop using it. It's It's like seatbelts. Seatbelts in cars. People think, oh, seatbelts in cars is because of the law. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Seatbelts in cars were placed there 20 years before any law told them to. Because it made the car safer. safer. And guess mm. what? Safer cars sell more cars. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's exactly what's happening with the iPhones and mm. with Facebook and with Instagram. These companies realize that if they make the products better by making them less harmful, people will use them over their lifetime. Mm. Not just in a short sprint say, oh, I don't want to use that anymore. So it's in the company's interest to make products that that's so don't funny. harm people.
2: Like that's, people are asking themselves, they're like, Okay, what's the best way from the business perspective and the ethical perspective? Yeah, there's yeah. there's one solution, like right. from both sides. Make spare. a better product. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah literally. <laughs> Make a product that doesn't suck as much. Literally. Um, mm. Like we watching which company you actually invested. For example, wh- what was Focusmate? Focusmate. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Like that, that was such a great idea. Yeah. Um, and it seems that you actually really want to point out this indestructible focus. Like mm-hmm. what? I, I'm 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 just asking you what's your personal ma- mission for the future like uh, yeah. for example like if you're dying over there what do you want to leave or which impact do you want to leave oh, right. like to the right. world I think my um,
1: my message with Indistractable yeah is that there's a lot more than you can do that you, than, than people think mm-hmm. it's a lot you have a lot more power than you know yeah mm-hmm. uh, and I understand you know that what's happened is these technologies have changed so quickly that we haven't quite caught up yet we don't have the the, the skills, the norms, the manners to deal with the bad aspects of these technologies. Yeah, yeah. But this always happens. Yeah. This always happens with every new technology. Totally. You know, a good example is smoking. So I, I was born in 1978. Yeah. And uh, when I grew up in the 80s, we had ashtrays all over the house. Yeah, everybody was my, smoking. Everybody, well, my, my, parents, <laughs> my parents didn't smoke. But back then about, I think it was uh, almost 50% of Americans smoked. Yeah. And when someone came over, they expected to have a cigarette in your yeah, house. Yeah. Can you imagine if somebody came to my house today, you would lit up a cigarette, no way, I'd kick you out in an instant. <laughs> right? Nobody would imagine to smoke. Today yeah. it's 16%. We went from 50% to 60, 16%. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason that happened, okay, laws and signs and regulations, etc. but there's no laws that says people can't smoke in their own private homes. Why do people not smoke in their own private homes? Because of norms, because of manners. It's rude. Mm. And that's exactly what's happening with our devices. So it's those kind of things. That's what I want to tell people, that we can do this. We've done it before. If we did it with smoking, which goes into your body... We can do it with, with social media. So, that's so interesting. Right? Like if, I, if I were to say right yeah. now, we're having this beautiful conversation, and I yeah. say, okay, wait, and they, that's, I'm being a dick. That's, I'm rude, <laughs> right? It's clear that that's rude. And, yeah. and people learn it now, right? People are learning. You know what's yeah. interesting? The younger generations don't have this problem. Like we think, okay, kids are constantly using their phones yeah. around their friends. They know it's rude, yeah. and they don't do it. They do it around their parents right because sure. they're doing this when they do it around their sure plan. sure sure right they're sending a message definitely but they know it's rude when I go and I do a lot of board meetings and, and um, sessions in big conference rooms it's not the junior employees that are using their devices in the middle of the meeting it's the older people Crazy. that haven't gotten the message that. right that like their habits haven't changed they're part of this generation that thought that was
2: okay but our
1: generation knows mm. that that's
2: rude that you don't do that anymore True. Sure. I mean, I'm just thinking that sure. that's such a good impact, like because like we want to really like change one percent of the population, also like a huge amount of people, but we can also use this um, kind of social pressure, you know, yeah. uh, of people to uh, extend a good habit actually in the society. Yeah. For example, everybody's journaling. Everybody's for, gonna But <laughs> like, for example, so like forty percent doesn't, but everybody else is, is doing it. They're gonna do it, yeah. and <laughs> like do. it's yeah. like. Putting the people, put a little bit pressure on them, like social pressure, but into like perfect, a good habit. And like the social pressure is a really huge pain of the people yeah. actually.
1: In a way, I mean, I think you could argue that Instagram and many other social networks are in a, in a way a form of, of journaling. Like on the way here, uh, I stopped and I reflected at what a beautiful day it was. Mm. And I took a picture of it. And in fact, studies have found that people who stay, who take pictures of things savor them more they enjoy them more they find more happiness uh-huh. uh, so there is a positive impact to you know in a way a picture is a, is capturing a moment it's savoring it's more thoughtful actually yeah, yeah so it's just another <laughs> yeah, totally. way of doing this, this this pause and reflect as opposed to going through our day all day so I, you know you're, you, I think there's room in the market for lots of different flavors yeah, yeah sure, sure. sure but there's clearly a human need for it
0: no definitely I think I, I found that in myself um, since I was a kid I've always had a camera in my hand and mm. I've always found that like when I'm when I'm capturing video or photos, I'm actually able to remember them even better because right. I have that kind of perspective right. of it. Right. Um, and I think when, when you look at a photo you somehow you a picture says a thousand words, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're able to actually connect that with something positive or negative even then you're able to remember it better. Yeah. I think the one big difference of journaling especially is that when you're able to actually get it out and Write about it with yourself and do that introspection. You're actually able to see things maybe that your subconscious never actually saw before. Right. I mean, that's the that's the difference. No, I mean,
1: I, I, it's interesting because I think a lot of authors uh, or maybe wannabe authors think that first they have to know something and then they write about it. Man, not for me. I want to know about something. That's why I write about it. That's your trigger. <laughs> In the process of writing about it, you're that's how I discover mm. the truth. <laughs> I mean, I, I writing to me is the best form of education. Hmm. You know, not, not, not that I know everything when I start, of course not, but yeah. it prompts the right questions, the time to reflect. It's amazing how, I mean, oh my God, if there's one thing I'd love to teach the world, it's that you have the, the answers, right? And so many people, they That's call me, they, they, they want an expert to tell them what to do. But if, if they just sat and thought for an hour, like who gives themselves an hour to think every day, just think, <laughs> like come up with the right question. Yeah. And ask yourself what might potential solutions or answers to this question be. Now you can't stop there. You have to go say, okay, is this correct? Is my view of the world validated with research or other sources and citations? But f- you know, first giving yourself a few minutes a day to actually try and come up with your own answer before you, you know, seek advice from others.
0: <laughs> That's actually a really good point because I can't tell you how many people I've heard that are seeking answers. But when I ask, so what are you doing about it? Or what are yeah. you thinking what about it? Yeah. What do you that? think? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah I never thought about that. But yeah. do, do you know a good book about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, No, but that's exactly it. Do you have a Do you have a book that you can do? You yeah. know, uh, could you yeah. recommend? Yeah, yeah, the yeah topic? recommend the book.
1: Um, so how about this? How about you just get a cup of coffee, sit in the coffee shop by <laughs> yourself, and write down some answers what, to your own problems? But like. here, are you kidding me? Like that would mean I'd have to be alone yeah. With myself. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. true, but it's 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 so much fun. Like honestly, it's one of the most enjoyable things I do in my day is the two hours of answering my own questions and that's why i wrote hooked that's why i wrote indistractable these were both big questions how do you build yeah. habit-forming products how do you do what you say you're going to do that's the big questions for these two books that i wrote and i i wrote wrote road to like have an answer that i'm happy with
2: that's that incredible a discussion of, of us actually um we thought about the next step after journaling actually like what's mm. the next action and how do we help people to to understand their like their problems mm-hmm. and what we didn't thought about was actually like, but then we, we identified actually what it is if a pe- person just writes, if we just can get the people to write, like every person like really honestly about the feelings, mm. they will already write about like the, the problem, identifying the problem and about their solution. Because they know what to do. Like <laughs> the yeah. solution for me isn't the same as for you. Like they're totally different techniques yeah. which fits yeah. to me and you. So actually it's one more time like overcomplicating the process because like if you're already right, you get to identify and to understand your problem mm-hmm. and yeah, that's the true. solution for and example. And even
1: when it fails, like I think the part of the problem of taking advice only from others as opposed to getting into this practice of your yeah. giving yourself advice, yeah. is that when you read the, the, the advice that's in a book and writing as a self-help author myself, yeah. it's black and white, it's done.
0: Yeah.
1: As opposed to the real essential skill is this process that we learn in the startup community of iteration, right, that like it's build, measure, learn. Totally. So you try something, you journal, oh, I have an idea, I'm going to try this. You do it, it works or it doesn't work, most of the time it's not going to work, but you have a practice of
2: then continuing the loop and now reassessing, why didn't it work, what can I try differently? Right. And the experience really sticks, like it's not, okay, maybe this one's wrong, I'm reading another book, like maybe there's another technique. It's like, oh, I really tried it out. That was, like, uncomfortable in L quartz It yeah. sticks in my yeah. head. Yeah. No, never going to do this again. Yeah. That's all right for but me. But I'm going to try this
1: other day, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. experimentation. Right, right, yeah. which I think is super. I mean, this comes out of uh, Carol Dweck's work around growth mindset versus fixed mindset. such a powerful idea, right, that, um, like, w- one of the things that, drives me nuts when I hear people say is I am what I am right like, yeah. this, what are you talking this, about this, <laughs> I, oh man like there's a few things it's Like it's like nails on a chalkboard when I hear people yeah. say well that's just the way I am no you're anything you want to be exactly you, know, you can change you can you can You can. Biggest think excuse, differently you can totally. change your habits of mind your habits of action
0: but that is the hardest part no I, it's 99% of the population doesn't want to change well it's
1: impossible if you believe it's impossible right For it's sure, all up you know, well, here yeah. right but if you have a growth mindset it's actually you know what I'm bad at something because I haven't practiced it. So you practice and you get better. That's the whole idea of this growth mindset mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, that's just the way I am.
0: So if anybody listening or watching right now had that question in their head right now, which I do, which is, okay, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to change. I mean, I do, but I'm just saying, like mm-hmm. somebody that says, I don't, I don't want to change. What is the first thing that you could say to help people right now start well, to change
1: something? I think it's, I think it's saying I, want, I need to change or I want to change is a very high bar. I think the idea is to start with uh, what I call a MIA, a minimum enjoyable action. M E A, minimal enjoyable action. It's not permanent, it's an experiment. Try something small, right? Try a tiny change that you came up with that you think is a good idea uh, first, and experiment with that, right? Like these big conversion experiences, one, they don't come often. Uh, and two, when they're too hard, people don't stick with it, right? It's like, oh, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds this year. Well, that's a that's too hard, right? How yeah. about you just switch from regular soda to diet soda, <laughs> right? Like start with that. Yeah, you know, baby then, steps. And, and if it doesn't work for you, do something else. Yeah. But it's that experiment It's not just the baby steps. It's also the experimentation. It's also giving yourself permission to to fail, but to learn. A lifelong of continuous time Yeah. Right.
0: And then when you find something that
1: works, then then you make those commitments.
0: It's very curious that most of the things that we're doing in life or that we're trying to kind of better ourselves where it's it's a lot of iteration, don't you think? Yeah. Mostly everything is iteration. Yeah, but we look for
1: the we look for the answer, the right. mathematical solution. I think that's um, one, it's not universal, like what works for one may not work for the other. Mm. But the experiment experimentation is a universal lesson. Yes. That is something that everyone can do to it, find everybody their own can solution. Try. right. But that's the first thing I think to slough off is this idea. Of a self, of an identity, mm. it's a myth. Another Buddhist, yeah. you know, philosophy. There is no you. There is no fixed soul. Yeah. you know that doesn't exist. It's whatever you want it to be. If you want to start talking with a British accent tomorrow, you could do that, <laughs> right? Like it's just practice. Totally. Uh, if you, so if you can do that, why can't you think a little bit different every day? Why can't you say I like this when I did? I like healthy food versus not healthy food or, yeah. you know, I enjoy these type of conversations or this topic. I think when people box themselves in into, I'm this, I'm that, I
2: like this, I don't like that, it's it's
1: too black and white. You can like whatever you want to like.
2: Do, do, you, do you focus more on your books actually or on the startups you, you invest in, for example? Like in our case, um, the tool to get 76 million people really clear-minded mm-hmm. is Scribe. Like, that's actually the tool for us. It's Is this for you, your book, for example, Indestructible, all the stuff to get, like, the people to know how it works or actually the startups you invest in? Because actually it's the same area you do, like, the yeah. startups too. Focus, Indestructible, yeah. that's actually it.
1: I'm, I, don't, I don't spend too much time. I mean, if my, if my startups ask me for help, of course, I help. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't spend too much time with my startups. It's yeah. usually when I see something that, you know, somebody calls me. and So I do these office hours every week mm-hmm. where anybody can, can sign up for time and... and ask me questions about mm-hmm. the book for 15 minutes a week um, and so that's how many of these companies I invested in I heard about them they ask for advice they say oh here's my hook model they walk me through their hook model and I say oh that's,
0: that's pretty cool yeah. I like to invest yeah <laughs> um, hmm. but
1: I don't spend a ton of, ton of time with them so most you read books in the books yeah, yeah right. that's most nice oh, okay. I do speaking you know I do uh, some consulting and speaking yeah uh, but mostly I my job so to speak my time on my calendar is, yeah. is writing
0: that's incredible, yeah, because that's like
1: fun. that's your passion. Because it makes you so much fun. Yeah, it really. And I don't. It's not for money. I mean, I sold two companies. If this is what I would totally, do. Totally. It's funny because I got into writing. I thought I was going to start another product company. Yeah. But I got into writing because I asked myself this question: of What would I do if money was no object? Like, if all of a sudden I won the lottery and I have fifty million dollars, what would I do? I got stoned. I would do this. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is literally. This is literally all I would do. <laughs> That's awesome. I would do what I'm doing right now, which is I, I really enjoy writing. I really love answering my questions. That's incredible. Cool How does it, like, your time schedule actually look like? Yeah, it's very rigid. Okay. <laughs> I can show it to you on my phone. So I get up uh, 7, mm-hmm. my alarm. Yeah. I make uh, breakfast for my family until 7.30. We eat from 7.30 to 8. I go to the gym from 8 to 9. I shower. My I usually yeah, have a yeah. writing buddy that comes over, or I use Focusmate at 9.30. I write till 11:30. I have lunch with my family from 11:30 to 12:30, and then three afternoons a week I'm with my daughter because mm-hmm. she's homeschooled. So I we go to a museum, we cool. okay. do whatever. Um, uh, and then uh, two days a week I do meetings and consulting. Two afternoons a week.
0: That's it's incredible.
1: It's very well. It's it's. I know what's at you know. You <laughs> oh, know and exactly. I, you and then I have dinner, and then I I do social media time last thing in the day. So, you, yeah, you're really focused on, the, you really know what to do, actually. Right. Which time now, I change that schedule, by the way. If yeah. something's not working for me, and I say, oh, I need more time for email, I need more time for social media, yeah. I need more time for meetings, whatever, then I adjust it every week. Hmm. Uh, but there's a template. I know the entire week
2: where I'm going to spend my time. You talked about, like, that's actually like a technique, like having the schedule and then really reflecting, okay, did I do that in the time? Oh no! Why not? Ah, that was a distraction actually. and Now we can it identify and change mm. it actually. Right, right. That's and really that's, good. That's,
1: that's critical. Now I will say, when I travel, mm-hmm. everything goes out the window. Same here. True. Because habits are contextually specific. Yeah, yeah. habits yeah. only occur. Routines only occur in a particular environment. Yeah. So when I'm traveling somewhere, gone, mm,
0: I'm gone. <laughs>
1: and gone. Yeah. And I know that. And mm-hmm. I know that. That's why I only do two speaking engagements a month. Got and it. That's my max. One hundred percent. Wow because then it would
0: take you too much out of your own flow yeah
1: it would, it's you, your time has to be a reflection of your values mm. right like how you spend your time is a reflection of your values so if I spent all the time working it means I value work as a, a outside proportion mm. of family friends other things mm. um, so I want the right proportion if somebody looked at my calendar they would they would be able to say oh this person really cares about his yeah. daughter because, look, the time in the schedule is for his daughter. And this person really cares about his wife. There's time in his calendar for his wife, as well as writing and consulting and other things. Yeah, but if you just go through life thinking, oh, whatever happens, happens, it, it, you won't live up to your values. You're going to live up to somebody else's values. Totally. It's what your boss wants you to do, what your spouse wants you to do, even what your kids
2: want you to do, yeah. not your values. Mm.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I love when you underlined... Uh, that you really should focus and think about, like re- reflecting which work you really should do mm-hmm. and not like doing everything because that's what I recognized um, in the last two years actually, uh, that I really focus and spending time with so much different stuff, yeah. I actually which is not important, which changes nothing. Yeah. Like also from the work side, <laughs> like sending out emails, doing this stuff and finally it all switched to the direction where I constantly say it like Jonathan yeah. knows it yeah. Let's do like the, the the least effort possible and maximize the results of that. Right. Mm-hmm. For example, like if it's just sending out one email, like five minutes, it should be t- huge, you know, right, like right, a huge right. impact actually. And then work is just like, for example, two or three hours a day, right. like focus on that. But you're getting like way more done just because thinking one time about it and reflecting what you're actually doing and where to invest your time in. Right. By the way, there's nothing wrong yeah. with doing stuff for fun, right? Like there's nothing
1: wrong yeah. scheduling in. I am going to putz around the internet and Reddit and YouTube for two hours today. Yeah. That's great if that's what you plan to do with your Consciously, time. Consciously. Right, yeah. It's no longer a distraction, oh, yeah. it's right. traction. That's yeah. what I plan to do with my time. I watch right. movies, I you know, read Reddit, yeah. but I do it when I schedule myself to do it. Because 100%. now it's not distraction, it's yeah. traction. It's what I plan to do.
0: And I'm sure in a way, uh, you, I would love to hear your opinion on that too, is that I'm sure in a way that when you schedule that, you actually walk away from whatever it might be, whether it's an hour of social media, but you'll walk away from that feeling almost productive. Yeah, totally. Right? Because you said that was my time slot.
1: Absolutely. So not only does it prevent me from using it when I don't want to use it, right? Because I'm not checking Facebook all day or, or even though I love those products. I'm yeah. not looking at them all day, so I'm saving time and brain space for other things. Uh, but I also know that like that's how much time I'm willing to devote to it, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, it, and, and if I don't Get enough done, so to speak. Like email, so for example, I schedule time for email in my day. If there isn't enough time, that means next week I'm going to schedule more time for it mm-hmm. and adjust the schedule accordingly. Or it means, well, I'm just not going to answer every Twitter yep. message, <laughs> and that's okay because right, right. that's a low priority item. That's right. not valuable to me.
0: That's interesting too. Except, so if I if I can bring that again into perspective of perhaps somebody that's not obviously mm-hmm. like as advanced in scheduling as as we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, what is something that somebody can actually say? Okay, because I think there's a lot of guilt that comes with that too. If somebody makes a checklist, for example, and they don't get everything done on the checklist, they might feel like, oh, I didn't get that thing done. Yeah. Or they, they, they put out the schedule and then it's too much
1: and they get overwhelmed. Right. So the fir- okay, so a few things here. One is that there's a myth of the to-do list. Mm. That we think that the way to get things done is to write everything down and then go do-do-do check the things off. Focus on the results. We know it doesn't freaking work, yeah. right? You know it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. You do. I've used a checklist for years before I started this methodology, and every day there's five things I didn't get to that go to the next day and the next day so and the next day. Yeah. Why does that happen? Because we're looking at the outcome as opposed to the input. Hmm. So don't schedule the task. Schedule the time. Yeah. Right? Like if you need to do a task, it doesn't matter if it's on your list. If it's not in your calendar, it's not going to happen. (laughs) Right? So that's the first important point Mm. is don't look only at output, look at input. And the input Mm. is time. Uh, And then the second thing is that you can give yourself buffer. Right? So if you know that a task, you think it's going to take an hour, but you've noticed, uh, like for example, with email I did this. I put in X amount of time in my calendar and I still wasn't getting enough email time in. So you know what I did? I added some more in <laughs> the next week. So, again, it's, it's to that iterative process yeah. of looking at you know what? I, these meetings, they say they're going to be 45 minutes, but you know what? They're not. They're like an hour. Okay, so next time you I'm going to budget it, right? Like uh, picking up my kid doesn't take 15 minutes because, look, traffic is unpredictable. I'm going to buffer in an extra 50%. Mm. So, there's, this is not rocket science. It's yeah. just about, but, but the thing is, people try to schedule their day. And it, the first time it slips up, they're like, "Oh, this technique doesn't work." Yeah, exa- right? no, exactly. That's what I mean. But it's it's
0: almost too to the extent where a lot of what you're saying and saying that you have buffer room for the next time. That's being kind to yourself. Yeah, right. Because yeah. you're understanding, okay, I, I messed up a little bit in that iteration, that experiment. I didn't do that right, but next week I'm going to do a little better, exactly. and I'm going to schedule exactly. some more.
1: And the nice thing is, the more you iterate, eventually your life does kind of become a routine. You know that, like, okay, I always buffer in extra yeah. time. Right. and then you, you, So you change your calendar less and less as you improve it over time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. But that, that iteration part is the part we forget. <laughs> exactly. And that's
0: I think that's some of the hardest probably for people to pick up habits or anything yeah. is understanding that failing is okay. Yeah, that's how we learn. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think in society, I mean, granted, I, being in Volkswagen uh, for six years, you learn that failure is not an option in a lot of these corporates.
1: And then you get some pretty bad outcomes because exactly. of that.
0: Exactly, and so then switching to the startup scene and being my own boss, I'm like, hey, you know, if we mess up, it's our own fault. You
1: right, know? so right, it's yeah. huge. We see that uh, on the individual level too, like what happens when people fall off the wagon and they mess up. There's what's called the what the hell effect. Which has been shown—it's this you know, well-studied phenomenon that if people fall off a diet, they fall off a time schedule, they fall off of what anything. You know what happens? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was I was really good about my diet, but then I slipped up. Yeah, you know, yeah, now yeah. I'm gonna eat everything. <laughs> like, well, what the hell? And that happens a lot. It happens with money management. Yeah. People think like, okay, I was bad, so the floodgates open, and now I. And of course, the reason that happens is because we try and hold ourselves to these very rigid rules, as opposed to saying, I messed up a little bit. That's okay, that's normal. Like, it's part of the iterative process. But if you don't have that iterative step built in to know, okay, what can I do differently next time, then you do have this, you know, at all costs, do the do what you say you're going to do. But we know what happens people cheat. Right. They cheat on exactly. Volkswagen, they yeah, cheat yeah, yeah. on a diet, 100%. they cheat with their money. 100%. You know, so. yeah.
0: And again, it's about keeping movement in the forward direction and right. not stopping. Because right. if you stop, then you fall back. You, you, whatever it might be. And to, reflect, of, yeah, to
1: reflect. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the interesting thing is that a lot of companies, because they don't have this culture of reflective work, it's all reactive work. Exactly. It's all respond, 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 all day. Mm-hmm. There's no time to reflect. There's no time for anybody to raise their hand and say, I don't think this is working really well. Yeah. Can we talk about this? How do we fix this? Yeah. Uh, and that's when things really got out of control. It's the same with, you know, people say that, Oh, companies, you know, I have to work for my boss 24-7, and the technology is making it terrible, and Slack keeps me always working. turns out in the companies I studied, uh, it's not the technology, it's the company culture, Mm -hmm. right? It's a company culture where people are not allowed to raise their hand and say something's wrong. Because here's the thing, nobody likes working 24-7. Even the boss doesn't like the fact that he can't go to his kid's basketball game without being interrupted. And checking Slack all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, so it turns out that like over tech use in the enterprise is really a symptom of a larger dysfunction, primarily a culture where people can't say, "Hey, boss, something's we're not working here." Yeah. Right? right. If we can't talk about over tech use, guess what? There's all kinds of other shit the company we can't talk about. Totally. And that's the real problem.
0: Well, at the end of the day, so it's, oh, it's not a tech problem; it's a people problem. Right.
1: It's a culture problem. Totally. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I mean, I think that's one of the first things that when. We first started Scribe, that was the first thing we said is that everybody has to be able to say no matter what, everything that's on their mind, and there's not going to be any wrong answers, and there's mm. never a wrong response. Right. We told that to Mark as soon as he came in, no matter, I don't care how long we've been doing this, you come in, you see something wrong, you say it. And right. I think to actually look at the future of companies or tech or startups or anything like that, it's not about the cool founder who had the great idea that had all this money or whatever. Yeah. It's really about having the truth and the honest conversations and being human to one another and right. that's again and what to improve I'm... right
1: the, the companies that that get stale and and get disrupted are the ones where people can't bring up issues where they feel their job is on the line if they rock the boat it's the exact opposite with these really innovative tech companies is that everybody's empowered to say something and improve to improve the product to improve yeah. the customer experience not only is that great for the product psychologically it's super important that it's called psychological safety that uh, there was a really interesting study done at google where they wanted to figure out uh, what makes for the best product teams. And the original assumption, well, well, let's get the smartest people, right? Like that's what McKinsey's told us to do. McKinsey says, get the smartest people. McKinsey
0: says all kinds (laughs) of
1: stuff. And for a long time, that was kind of the orthodoxy. They don't don't say that anymore, but it was all about like the hunt for talent and and the war for talent. Get the best people, put them in a room, and they'll make the best products. Totally not true. The best products are made by teams that have high psychological safety where people can speak up, where people can say something's going wrong or here's an improvement without feeling like they're gonna get fired for it or, or berated for yeah. it. That's really what it's all about.
0: Yeah, and they surveyed, I think I remember that they surveyed like all of their teams around the world, right? They and tried that, that, all kinds of things. They, they tried got, you know, yeah.
1: team cohesiveness, exactly, like, yeah. all kinds of things. And it turns out one of the top, top traits was psychological safety, Yeah, right? Not that people had to agree, people had to fe- feel safe disagreeing. That's what was so important. And that actually turns out to be the secret to companies with a healthy tech culture, too. Mm. Like Slack, for example. Slack, this company that everybody says, oh, is keeping people addicted to their devices all day long. At Slack, it's not a problem. At Slack, it says on the company walls, it says, work hard and go home. It literally says it on the wall. Because Stuart Butterfield on down, everybody at the company knows that this is a company value and they feel psychologically safe enough to bring up problems or tell people, hey, you know, look, this isn't working, or you're working too much, you know, this is like, this is the company culture here. That's part of the ethos of the company is the psychological safety to bring up these issues and deal with them. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's... I'm just thinking about the first time we met. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? (laughs) um, (laughs) there's There's a gaming room at Factory I'm sitting in the beanbag, Jonathan comes up, um, he's like, yeah, man, how are you doing, like, blah, 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 and I was just confused, I just was tired, I wanted to sleep, And but then off a two-minute talk became like, what, a two-hour session of marketing, yeah, <laughs> it was really. the most honest session I ever had, nice. and like, writing everything down, I'm looking over it, I don't get it, what? <laughs> where, where's the hook where, where yeah. is it actually like totally honest like brutally honest yeah, it was, yeah like, it was perfect that's like, what it takes that's like that, takes. that this this honesty was actually the reason why i was uh, really impressed because they took it totally normal like yeah. not emotionally normally like the person in, in germany especially is like you don't you, you're not so directly mm-hmm. to people and um there are a lot of big companies uh, i worked at sap for example where the german culture takes over and it's like the honesty is just not over there but mm. the, like the, the mm. social impact or the social culture from outside takes over inside mm. and i think that's also a big big problem um to go back to the apps like what what we're actually looking for or our yeah. biggest example in the area is actually like everybody knows it's headspace yeah mm-hmm. uh, that's like actually the app which put in uh like a method meditation nobody did before actually mm. mm. <laughs> making the trend uh, so everybody can use it. Uh, I just would be like very interested in your personal opinion about like what are you doing good, what, what not like your personal opinion about the app yeah. act, application, for example.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So Headspace is a tricky one yeah. because I think it. Um, uh, I don't. I mean, look, the 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 company's done an amazing job of of opening up a market. No question. No which question. is really beautiful yeah. and for a very positive good it does have some, uh, well, I see uh, some potential pitfalls with companies that do, uh, many of them, they they come to me with this altruistic good that they're doing. And some of them make this mistake of, uh, not necessarily in Headspace's case, but sometimes they, they don't properly utilize the variable reward. So some companies, they, uh, like for example, fitness apps or nutrition yeah. apps, yeah. they or or money saving apps, yeah. they if if I open the app and it tells me you're too fat and you're still you're you're you're, you're too poor right you're still broke that's not a variable reward that's a variable punishment yeah right. and a lot of companies fail because they don't reward the user it's not Mm. you know what you know they don't feel good after they they use it so that's one problem not necessarily in headspace's case but in in a lot of altruistic apps Mm. i think part of what i worry about with headspace so i use headspace for a while what a little bit worries me with headspace is do they work themselves out of a job (laughs) in Mm. that you know if i use
2: so they don't need it anymore yeah i kind of don't need headspace
1: anymore (laughs) that's my experience i just said it's yours too (laughs) i'm
2: i'm I'm meditating through headspace but i don't have headspace yeah (laughs) so that's what i
1: did i got started with headspace okay and it taught me how to do it and the Mm -hmm. the app is so beautiful it's very pretty it's it's so funny it's like so whimsical like the artist behind that is a genius yeah uh but then i was like okay i got it like I don't know why I'm still using it anymore. (laughs) It's breathing. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Whereas, and and it's interesting, there's another app, not in the same meditation domain, but when it comes to physical fitness, there's a a million workout apps. They kind of have the same problem, right? (laughs) They teach you how to work out and then you don't need it anymore. Yeah, totally. There's one app that I love called FitBod. Mm. And it's really interesting in that they use use the hook in that the investment improves the product over time. So the habit they were going after is this habit of, what do I do when I get to the gym so the internal trigger is uncertainty right I get to the gym uh, I know a li- I know how to do push ups and sit ups and yeah. you know uh, dumbbell curls but I don't remember how much to lift I don't know which exercise to do per se yeah. uh, I don't know like to do this exercise on that day and this exercise on the other day yeah. so this app because of the investment phase of the hook because of what I did last time improves with use now I can't go to the gym without it mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because it, in the in hook I talk about how you want to look for habit forming products for yeah. nascent behaviors. Yeah. So, the same way I used to take a little booklet of pen and paper, I use Fitbot. Like, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the old habit, now it's on my phone. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, what, what Headspace is missing a little bit. It needs to have something that makes the product better and better with use, either through a community, yeah. uh, through additional content. Something that's more than just the meditation. Now, granted, I haven't used the app in a long time. Maybe they're doing it already. (laughs) But I think that's where I would be concerned is, um, you know, if you need, if your business, like if Headspace was a one-time purchase, give us $10, we'll teach you how to meditate, done, and that's a sustainable model, that's great. You don't have to form a long-term habit. Mm, But if the model is, no, 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 you have to pay us every month a little bit, that's how we stay in business, then they've got to figure out other ways, other more engaging tools so they don't work themselves out of a job.
2: There was the same... Like what we thought about yeah. uh, with journaling. Because, like, yeah. we teach you how to journal, yeah. you can do it, but finally, why not just like using paper and pen? Right. And that was like the reason why we had to think about a, um, a thing which really makes the experience like better so I want to use the app actually I right. don't use the paper pen it's a pain to use the paper pen because I have not for example this emotional analyzing tool right over there right. or the right. legacy that you're leaving
0: for yourself to understand your mind better over time 100%. that's the big thing for us that's what
1: Headspace I think is missing is the investment phase of exactly the yeah. is is what do I put into the product yeah. that either right. stores value so for example if you're doing a journaling app and you are in the journal yes that's very powerful, exactly. right? Like, uh,
0: that's where my journal lives. That's and, the investment. And we're having a machine learning, actually, that's that's it's helping helpful. you understand mm. yourself better. Mm. And then to track that over time is really where we're seeing the investment come in.
1: That's beautiful. For example, like, let's say I, I used the app once and I only typed in 100 words. Yeah. Well, then give me a prompt next time. That's a very short prompt, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like and, and try and increase a little bit more. Yeah. Or, like, say... Um, you know, last time you rode for five minutes see if you can go for six this time or something you know mm. something that learns that gets smarter over over time yeah uh with use for example
2: so so you can literally see okay the investment pays off like something right. something's gonna go better yes, that, because yeah. like in the long term um we think about having this library of of, of content then we finally have it over there you have it over there you get the trends by analyzing the trends, you can write, like, write better. Mm-hmm. Like through the new entry, the trend is going to be, or the, the analyst is going to be more specific on their mm-hmm. current situation, and it's going to be the flow for the future. But the problem is like the first steps actually, to get the, pe- the, to the, get the, the person wing. hooked o- over there, like right. ri- writing over there, what's happening then, you know? Mm-hmm. But the prompts, for example, there was also idea of us, like to make the gamification part in it. For example, today write so many words, yeah, dude, you did great, great job, great yeah. job awesome. Yeah. Um, maybe go for that next time, that would be right. cool, for example.
1: It would be interesting to see what's in the user's way. It's, not, it's probably not gonna be motivation, so you know, it's not gonna be like prizes and yeah. badges. It, what's probably in their way is the mental effort of what do I write about, how do I make sure I don't sound stupid, <laughs> right? Like, I think giving them customized prompts. For example, if they wrote about uh, the relationship with their significant other, what if part of the investment, and we have to think about creep factor here a little bit. What if the investment in the future is, how's it going with your wife, mm. right? Like, how's that problem that you were dealing about? How about writing about that today, mm. right? So, so,
2: as as the application learns more, it can ask like more specific questions. Right. That is right. a creep factor, sure. We, uh,
1: there's what there's was, a way to deal with it, right? Definitely, like, definitely, right, right.
0: I think the thing that's very interesting is that there's as as we know, there's so many different people out there with so many different mindsets. Right. And for some, as as we've come across through the research and the testing, we have like 350 betas right now that are mm-hmm. using it. As we've we've gone through and seen people's behaviors, some of them are actually saying, um, I'm actually realizing more of myself. Like mm-hmm. you, you discovered mm-hmm. like five different topics in your life that you need to take mm-hmm. care of, which was incredible. And some others are saying exactly what you just said. I, you know, I really need to help to actually get started. Yeah. Um, and then there's another one that really says, I just love to get everything out of my head and then be mm-hmm. able to see what to do. So mm-hmm. there's really kind of those different yeah. kinds of personas in a way that right. need different things, and, and we're just trying to figure out. It's a cool right opportunity, out. too. Like yeah. if you
1: could quickly ascertain what type of user, like who's the persona, what yeah. are they looking for, and how could you tailor Tailored them? to them, exactly. It's yeah. Interesting.
0: Exactly, I mean, I'm just, I'm just listening yeah. to because it's exactly the, the way yeah. that we're going right now. I mean, now. these are just
1: ideas, right? We're just brainstorming. But, totally. But At least it's, at least it gives you a conceptual model of like, okay, here's where we might be weak, here's where we can improve. Definitely. Like
0: no, what? and the research has shown that that's kind of what we're hearing from users. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, what, yeah. Was,
2: what was uh, what Henry actually talked about, like um, our co-founder, who really focused on the product development. Um, he showed us a prototype and we discussed about it, like how it could actually see like, and look like. Um, and ask yourself which, in which type actually you are like ask you three questions. Okay, did you already journal how many times like or awesome. yeah, awesome. or it categorizes yeah. yourself over yeah.
1: there? Yeah, yeah, I love it, I love it. That's for and then you have like a special track for those type of people. Exactly, then we yeah. can
0: see their yeah. behavior from that first initial input, and then how can we actually help those users either come back again yeah. or how can we actually help them further better themselves and you start to keep going with it all right so i guess um we are like totally over time but um that's okay it was fun <laughs> i think this was a incredible conversation yeah. i really Thank enjoyed you it so much for being here. my
1: pleasure thanks so much for having me yeah
0: definitely i think uh the next time that you're either in europe or in oslo we'll have to see each other yeah again, that sounds 100%. great could you say when the book's going to be coming out
1: yeah so indistractable will be out early next year we don't have oh, a okay. publication date quite yet okay but sometime early next year and of course hooked is available now on amazon or wherever books are sold
0: Cool. Well, we're looking forward to the new book. It sounds incredible. Thank you. And thanks for
1: sharing it with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys for your interest. (laughs) Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate 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 it.